It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to have everybody back for another day. Great show coming up here. Randy Johnson covers Gopher football for the Star Tribune. will be with me here in just a little bit to talk about that team. They're getting interesting again. Bowl eligible after a comeback win over Nebraska last Saturday. Quarterback question with Tanner Morgan hurt right before halftime. Ethan Kalikmanis coming in, rallying that team to a win. Seems like he is the quarterback of the present and the future, but we will await further word on that officially. Randy and I got into that as well as what to expect in these final three games. You'll hear from a few different Gopher football players as well from Tuesday's media access, talking about that midfield decision to punt at the end of that Nebraska game and how that played out. Gophers get the defensive stop, but kind of the thought process of a few different players as that decision was unfolding. Um, signing day for Gophers basketball and college basketball in general coming up today. I uh, thought we should mention a little bit of what's to come for the Gophers in that regard. Timberwolves report cards. They're not going to like the grades. I wrote about that on Tuesday. They play again tonight. Let's get into that a little bit on the podcast as well. First, though, what did I miss? The Wild. The Wild missed a goal again. Uh, two straight games now where they have been shut out, losing one nothing at Los Angeles uh, to the Kings on Tuesday night. And, you know, what, what stands out to me right now with both the Wild and the Timberwolves is <clears throat> the lesson of the pressure of expectations, right? I don't think either team had massive expectations last season going into the year. The Wild had made the playoffs the year before, but people were still kind of wondering, are they for real? So it's still more of a prove-it year last year than it was a season of expectations. That changed this year after they got 113 points last season. That that changed in a big way. The Wolves, same thing. They go out and get Rudy Gobert after making the playoffs. Then all of a sudden people are expecting them to be good. Those teams with almost identical records right now, Timberwolves 5-6 and six going into that game against Phoenix tonight. Wild 5-6-1 and one now after that loss Tuesday. But yeah, the, the pressure of expectations boiling over. It, it got to me right away when listening to Dean Evison's post-game comments from Los Angeles. Our Sarah McClellan was there. She asked the first question of Evison, basically like, why couldn't the offense get anything going? Second straight game, even though there was some, you know, getting some chances. And he launched right away into a, a, a missive about how they only got one power play. Let's play that whole clip from Dean Everson, which sounds, you know, while accurate, also sounds a little bit uh, like excuse making. How about a couple of power plays for our team? I mean, one power play? Are you kidding me? Like, and it was a token power play. Like, it, it's unbelievable. I, you know, I, I, we don't want to whine. We don't want to be, but it's a joke that we have one power play. And it's like for for their guy holding our guy at the penalty box. So thank you. Like we got mauled at the end. Like we're trying to we're trying to score. We're trying to get in, and the, the whistle's gone. There's no more calls. There's a holding call on Zuccarello in the first five minutes in the neutral zone when the puck's nowhere around, and we're trying to go through the neutral zone at the end, and we're just getting grabbed and, and held and bear hugged. It's ridiculous. Like. Like, come on, we gotta, we gotta have some balance to what we're doing. It can't, like, you can't go through a game like that and have one power play. There's no way. Doesn't that sound to you like a coach very clearly frustrated, not just with the calls not going his team's way, but by the fact that they have not scored 
you know, in over 120 minutes now. And that's, you know, you thought offense might be a little harder to come by without Kevin Fiala this year, but at the beginning of the year, offense was not the problem. Now, script has been flipped, you know, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury playing much better, and now they can't get any offense going. And now, uh, especially concerning Kirill Kaprizov giving a match penalty in that game uh, for a play late in the second period, chance he won't be able to play tonight and beyond. Wild has a rematch, not a rematch, but a, a back-to-back against Anaheim tonight. Um, chance that he will miss that game, still waiting uh, waiting further discipline for for what he did for his high cross check to the face of uh, of King's defenseman Drew Doughty. So you know, just a frustrating night all around. But also, you know, this is this is not just a symptom of one game. They're twelve games in now. They only have five wins. They haven't scored for you know for more than you know, for two two consecutive games. Getting shut out twice in a row has to be frustrating to it to to a large degree. I just feel like they're facing the pressure of expectations right now and not handling it very well. And I think that's a smooth transition into the Timberwolves. Like I said, um, I did some report cards, some grading of all the players in my estimation from uh, from this year so far, and it's not pretty. You know, when they're five and six, I wouldn't expect it to be pretty. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where I was wondering, like, is the is the sum of the parts is the whole worse than the sum of the parts? What what's going on really? How do we kind of dissect who's to blame or or how this really is happening? And you know, to me, it's really been by and large, a team effort, especially with the starters. So let's take a quick look at the grades I gave the 10 players on the team that have the most minutes played this year. Anthony Edwards, I gave him a C. I don't think he's been terrible. He's the only starter with a positive net rating, according to NBA.com. But you know, you just watch him. The eye test is is a different story with Ant this year. He doesn't look like he's taken another step, has not taken another step forward in this ascendancy towards you know being a star player. He's getting lost in the wash on defense a lot. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be a tone setter for this team. And that just has not happened enough this season. Carl Anthony Towns, I gave him a B minus. He's I think he's probably played the best of the starters. He's still adapting to playing a, a preponderance of his minutes at power forward. Now Gobert, Rudy Gobert was out the last two games. Gobert will be back tonight or at least is cleared to play tonight. So Towns likely goes back to playing a lot of those minutes at the four. I think he's doing reasonably well at both ends of the court adjusting, but I still want to see more leadership from him, especially when there is negative momentum in in a game. I just don't feel like, and this is his eighth year. He's not a a young guy anymore. He's far from it. This is a guy who needs to be your emotional barometer in a positive direction and not a negative direction. Jade McDaniels gave him a C-. Seems like he should be thriving in this lineup. He's just not. A lot of the same problems. Starting to wonder just what his ceiling is. Maybe a move back to the bench could be a good idea. D'Angelo Russell, D minus. A lot of you gave him an F when I asked you for your grades. You know, it's easy to pick on him. We've talked about him a lot on this show, but he plays at a slow pace. He's got the worst net rating, minus 6.3, anybody in the regular rotation. And at, at this point, you've got to wonder how long they stick with him as a starter. And we'll get to that here in a minute as well. Gobert, I gave him a C plus. He's been about as advertised. I might want to see a little bit more game-changing ability from him, but I feel like the people around him need to adapt more than Rudy Gobert does. Now the reserves. Point guard Jordan McLaughlin gave him an A-. minus. He's probably been the best player on this team consistently, bringing energy, changing the energy when he comes in. 
You put him with the other four starters instead of D'Angelo Russell, the net rating goes way up. Very small sample size, but I'm curious to see what might happen if he got more minutes with those other four guys, especially in the start of games and at the end of games, more importantly. So I'll be curious to see how that shakes out going forward. Another another bench player, Torian Prince, been very good this year, steadying guy. Um, been good from three-point range. This would be another possible move if you decide Jaden McDaniels isn't quite ready for that starting role. Torian Prince slots very easily into that small forward role. Kyle Anderson, nice offseason pickup. I think he's done well. Uh, he doesn't play fast. He's got the nickname of Slow-Mo, but uh, he's he's a nice addition to the bench. Jalen Noel has been quite good as well. A bargain, a useful bench score, but he's got to get a fl- his floater game going. He's only 9 for 29 from 3 to 10 feet this season. He's been a little bit cold lately, and if he's cold, he's a liability. Last one on the player side, Naz Reed. Got buried a little bit on the depth chart, but he's been very good this season. I gave him a B plus, gave Jalen Noel and Kyle Anderson Bs, Torian Prince a B plus. So a lot of the bench players have been quite good. I gave Chris Finch, the head coach, a C minus. I think he needs to press more buttons and more adeptly. I think he's he's set a tone that has let them be a little bit too relaxed at the start of the year. Final grade is incomplete for Tim Conley, their president of basketball operations. The Gobert trade was huge. Brought in some free agents, but I don't think it's looking great so far. They are going to need to find some some other gears. I don't know if it's going to be another major move. I don't know if it's going to be more time to get these guys on the same page. Whatever it is, what he did so far has not proven to be the magic key. And I don't know, again, like I said, is it on the players? Is it on Chris Finch to get more out of the players? I'm not entirely sure. I was high on those moves in the offseason. I thought that was, it was kind of the, the next piece and, you know, maybe not a championship, at least not right away, but a team that was consistently going to win at least 50 games a year. You add a Rudy Gobert to that mix. It just has not happened so far. There were a lot of pundits who didn't like the move, the Gobert move, when it happened, and they are looking very smart right now. So can the Wolves get some positive momentum? Not easy against these next teams they're playing. They've got Phoenix on the schedule. They've got the Memphis. They've got Cleveland. These are good teams. If they are going to play better, they might not even see results right away, but they need to play better, need to play with more energy, more urgency, and stop taking anything for granted because they are not that good yet as the grades show. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, let's bring in Randy Johnson, Gopher football beat writer right now. Um, Randy, it's been an up and down year. You had the four wins, the three losses, and now the two wins, including... 20-13 to at Nebraska this past week, a game that was really precarious. Um, The down 10-0 at halftime. Tanner Morgan injured on the last play of the first half. Turn it over to the redshirt freshman, Ethan Kalikmanis, at the start of the third quarter, and it's kind of light and day with the offense. They scored 20 points in in the second half. They win the game 20-13. Now, some of that's good special teams play, a couple long field goals, but he drove them for four scores um still don't know exactly what tanner morgan's status will be for this week um randy i'll say it because i don't think you probably can if i'm pj fleck i, I don't regardless of tanner morgan's status uh, i i play 
I play Calic Manus the rest of the year. It just seems like he's got something going right now for the present and the future that Tanner Morgan, for every good thing he's done, and especially 2019, that he just doesn't, that there's, there's a difference when, when, when they made that switch in that game. But yeah, clearly Ethan gave him a really big spark coming, coming out of halftime there. First time he touched the ball, he ran for eight yards there. You know, there's that running threat that helped open things up. He had a couple uh long passes, uh, uh, 38 yard and a 45 yard. So, yeah, that loosens things up to where uh, Mo Ibrahim can have a little bit more room in there. Doesn't have to just go up against eight, eight in the box every time. And he, he had uh, 110 of his 128 yards after halftime. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, the offense was running like you would like to see a, an, an RPO offense run. Yeah, I mean, t- Tanner Morgan for, you know, like I said, for all the good things he did, especially, especially 2019 with 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, I mean, 11 wins, like that was a very good, one of the, one of the better quarterback seasons that the Gophers have ever had. But your point is a good one. Like this is an offense that's supposed to be run pass option and Tanner Morgan just doesn't really give them much of that run part of the run pass option. You don't really have to honor that. So that piece of it is interesting to me as we think about it going forward. Now, the decision maybe probably has been made already for PJ Fleck. We're probably going to see Ethan again in this game, just because if it is a head injury again, I don't think we want to mess around with things like that. That said, if if it is him, it sounded, you know, hearing his teammates talk about him, there seems to be a lot of confidence in him right now. Well, and even, even PJ Fleck too, he said that Ethan has that it factor. Um, and that, that seemed to, to come out right away against Nebraska when he got in there. They just, it just seemed like there was a, a bolt uh, bolt of energy that uh, that uh, really got the team going. Um, you know, I, I think, too, I, I remember uh, Mo Ibrahim saying after the game that he had to get on himself a little bit for not playing very well in the first half. So, you know, I, I think there was a, a heightened sense of urgency that the whole team uh, played with in the second half. And they, you know, they they, they got some, you know, the, the line blocked better. Um, you know, the body blows, as they say, wore down, wore down Nebraska. Um the, the defense played, you know, incredible after uh, after the first quarter. So they had six six uh, three and outs in a row. So everything um, they like to play the, the, what they call complimentary football and offense, defense, and special teams pulled that off. Yeah, I'm going to play some clips from some players a little later on about the decision to punt uh, from midfield on that last that play. There, there was some fun kind of by play at Tuesday's media availability of some of the players. What did you think of that in the moment? It obviously worked out. Um, did you, were you on, uh, on team go for it or did you, wh- how did you think that that played out? And is, is that just how PJ Fleck coaches? I mean, he's, he's going to more often than not going to err on the side of caution usually and trust his defense, but I think they also probably could have gotten a yard there. Well, and it, and it was less than a yard. And I think they had, I think they had already, already gotten it. I, I, I was really surprised that they went back and, uh, split the hairs there and somehow determined that uh, Ibrahim was a half yard short. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then, you know, at that time that, yeah, there was some indecision. They weren't sure. Nobody, there was no consensus. Uh, PJ said on his, on his offensive staff about what, which play to run. Uh, and, and then you have, you have Mo, uh, you have Mo. And then like uh, you know, uh, John Michael Smith's the center, uh, giving him the desk there is, is right. about sending the punting team out. Um, yeah, I, I think I probably, you know, I'm in that situation. I probably would have gone for it, but it, it did work out. He, he, I, I do see his point where it says, uh, we're going to make Nebraska go 90 yards to beat us. If, if, the, if they can do that. Yeah. If you, if you gain the first down game's over right there. 
if if you don't, yeah, then you you do put your defense in a a bit more of a tough spot. Um, they were playing pretty well. They I think they probably would have had a pretty good chance to uh, to stop Nebraska there anyway. But you know you you saw uh, earlier on Nebraska's uh, uh, field goal drive where where they got it to twenty to thirteen. He had a, a play down the sideline and uh, uh, originally called out of, out of bounds or incomplete, overturned. So you never know on that that situation. Um, it, it worked out, I guess. Is, 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 That's the best way to put it. Well, moving forward, they have Northwestern this week. Northwestern has lost eight games in a row. And, you know, for all that the Gophers tried to do um, on Tuesday, and I'm sure they're doing internally right now to try to make sure they are focused, make sure they they play, you know, play this game correctly. They are more than two touchdown favorites. This is not a good Northwestern team. I don't care what they're saying about, you know, how hard they play, how physical they are. This is a game again that they should win. Um how do you how do you see this one where if you are the Gophers, what what could worry you about Northwestern? You know, I, I just think it's the usual things with an underdog and then and if you make mistakes. You know, if you know, you look at the, the Purdue game. I look back to that one, and that's the one that they're going to be ruined for the whole season, just because they made so many mistakes. Uh, basically, seventeen point swing in that game on on Minnesota mistakes. So, yeah, you, you want to uh, you want to be careful in the passing game, but you, you do want to have have that ability to to loosen up the defense. And I think with Ethan probably starting, and I can't say hundred percent on that, but. Uh, that would give you that. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, Muhammad Ibrahim again, and that's you know that's what every team's going to see against the Gophers. And I, I, it was kind of interesting after, after the Rutgers game, uh, Greg Chiano, yeah, everybody's tried to stop him, they haven't been able to yet. Um, it, it's uh, yeah, I think they'll. And another interesting thing will be the weather. You know, it'll be it's supposed to be cold on on Saturday, probably uh, windy too. Um, that'll play into it. And then, you know, the, then that'll probably uh, enhance the importance of special teams there also. Yeah, I would think so. And they just had a good, like I said, good special teams performance at Nebraska. Those two long field goals, both of them really important. I mean, the one that gets them on the board and the one that puts them in the lead in, in the second half. So that, that, that piece of it was pretty important for them as well. Um, no, not to be overlooked when they beat Nebraska, that is their sixth win gets them into bowl eligibility. That's nobody's, I don't think that's anybody's goal at this point in the program building process. That said, it at least gets them over that threshold. Um, as you kind of look at scenarios, like playing it out, let's say they go two and one, let's say they go three and oh, let's say they only win one of these next three and lose the games against Iowa and, and Wisconsin, which would be very disappointing. Um, how, what's kind of the, the sliding scale of where they might wind up this postseason? Well, yeah, it's uh, there's probably. Uh, four possibilities right now for uh, five, maybe, and you don't want, you don't want the fifth one if they if they lose out. Um, that would probably put them in Detroit, which uh, people probably don't want to spend the day after Christmas in Detroit. Um, I'm sure. I mean, I know you don't. <laughs> I, I, I I've experienced this once, and it was interesting to say the thing. I mean, not you know, hey, they, they put a nice nice venue and everything. It's it's just a loyal. It's your you're flying in there on Christmas night and it's not, you know, not the best scenario, I guess. But uh, um, no, if, if say they go three and all probably have an outside shot, shot at the rely quest bowl, which is the former outback bowl in Tampa. Um, that also be, in, would also would be in play with three and all would, 
three and over two and one would be uh, the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Um, uh, uh, if you if you go, uh, yeah, if you go two and one, that's uh, Music City. Then you're possibly looking at the Pinstripe in New York uh, or Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, uh, if they go one and two, then you're probably looking at one of either Pinstripe or Duke's Mayo. Um, that's kind of with the way it look. It's looking to be slotted. There's there's other things that could change that if uh, if there are three Big Ten teams in the group of um, or the uh, group of six. Uh, the, the the beast there, not the beast, yes, the uh, college football playoff bowls, the other ones along with the uh, the semifinals. Um, if you get, say, like you get a an Ohio State in the playoff, Michigan in the Rose, and then maybe like say a Penn State or an Illinois in in, in the orange, then then the uh, the rely the rely quest would likely go away. Um, it, it's yeah, it's just a little. We'll, we'll see how it, it, there's there's some good bit, good games this weekend that that'll help it sort itself out. You get uh, Purdue at Illinois, very important in the, in the West and also um, Wisconsin, Iowa be an important game there in the West too. Now with Illinois losing to Michigan state last week, a surprising game that was in Illinois. Um, Michigan state just hasn't had much going this year. I mean, should we, should we not make it a foregone conclusion that this is Illinois is going to win the West? I mean, because they still got some work to do. They got Michigan next week. They they can't afford any more slip ups, especially this week against Purdue. Yeah, it's it's uh, they left the do- the door a little bit ajar with that loss. Um, so for the Gophers' purposes, let's just say they're you know, they're going to need to sweep the last three to to, to win the uh, to win the West. Um, they should be big rooters for Purdue this week to get Illinois an- another loss um, and. Basically, right now, Gophers, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa are all all, all tied for fourth. Or basically, all four tied for second in the conference. So, what how those games play out will help determine. But the Gophers basically need to be a game ahead of Illinois and a game ahead of Purdue because they lost those games earlier. The one thing that Illinois does have is that their two Big Ten losses so far were against the East. So when you come to certain tiebreakers, when it comes down to um, your division or your record within your division, right now they have they have the uh, the upper hand on on both uh, Purdue and the Gophers. Now that's why that's where Purdue comes in. Purdue gets uh, say if Purdue uh, beats uh, Illinois, then the Gophers would need Purdue to lose to someone down the road, and possibly you know. If, if if it's the other way, then they would need Illinois to lose their last two. It, it's 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 um, it's not likely, but there there is there is a slight chance. Telling me there's a chance. Well, we'll see how the games transpire this weekend and beyond. Looking forward to Saturday. More than that, looking forward to Iowa and Wisconsin. After that, I think people are kind of pivoting to that. They need to get this one in yeah. the bank and uh, and get this get this win, and then see where they can go from here. Randy will have the coverage from a blustery Huntington Bank Stadium on uh, on Saturday. Randy, appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Now, like Randy and I talked about, there was that decision by PJ Fleck to go to to punt the ball around midfield, fourth and one, late in that Nebraska game. Gophers up twenty thirteen. You could see both sides of it. Right, they had almost gotten the first down on a on a Mo Ibrahim run right before that. 
replay, you know, showed he was very close. They did not give it to him. They kind of split the hairs. So if you get a first down there, the game is essentially over. If you go for it on fourth and one, you also could give Nebraska the ball at midfield. They decide to punt, make Nebraska go the whole length of the field if they're gonna if they're gonna win that game. Ends up working out, right? Because the Gophers do stop Nebraska, get them, you know, get a get a fourth down stop, a turnover and downs, win that game. 20 to 13 but I was just kind of struck by it because it's one of those plays right where you know when you think about the Hollywood movies I even asked some of the players about this you think about Hollywood movies or just you conjure up an image of a fantastic finish in in a game you think about you know the star quarterback dreaming of uh, you know sitting in his bed dreaming of the moment where he can lead a team to that last minute touchdown and get carried off the field when you think about moments of glory, you don't think about the defensive stop, right? You don't think you don't see the the linebacker sitting in his room thinking, "Oh, we got a turnover on downs, carry me off to glory." So I think that's part of why we want teams to go for it in those situations. Sometimes we have this notion of that's the glory. The, the glory is not in the stop. The glory is in going for it, taking a risk, making a play on offense, not defense. But the Gophers decided to do it the other way. And what was interesting to me was just the in- interplay of how that whole situation played out with different players lobbying or hoping that, that P.J. Fleck would maybe go for it, but also understanding the logic of of punting and putting it in the hands of the defense. I want to play clips from Tuesday's media access from Tyler Newbin, Gophers defensive back, from uh, linebacker Mario Nassari Marin, and from center John Michael Schmitz. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I was just letting Coach know that uh, the defense has his back because, uh, you know, I have, you know, full confidence in the defense that we can get the job done at any time. Um, but I was actually, I was advocating for them to go for it. I wanted, to, I trusted Mo uh, to to go to go get the first down. But I, I was telling Coach Flake the defense has his back because, uh, you know, I, I trust the defense and you know we got the job done at the end. Yeah, you know, he that just shows he trusts us. Um, you know, he he was he was willing to put the game in our hands, um, and he knew that. We were going to pit them deep, and they were going to have to drive the length of the field with our defense. Um, and Coach Fleck put that trust in us. Uh, you know, that just shows that he trusts his players, um, felt he didn't need to take unnecessary risks and go for it there, and knew that our defense would bow up there and, and force a stop and get the ball back to our offense to win the game. So, you know, you, you got to trust Coach Fleck in his decisions that he's going to make there and, and then go out there and execute as a player. Yeah, I, I actually didn't see it. I saw Mo running out on the field yelling, I'm him, and he wanted the ball, and Tyler must have been yelling as well. I was really just remaining calm talking with Coach Rossi up in the box about situations that we could be getting here. Um, so I didn't really see all the, the, the drama going on, but I was, I was remaining calm and focused and knew that we were going to have to go out there and execute whatever the situation was. Yeah, I mean, just, just seeing Mo just, I mean, coming off the field when uh, just time out knowing what was, what was going on, if it was going to be challenged or if it was going to be the call or stands or not. But me and Mo and pretty much everyone on, everyone on the offense wanted to go for it and pretty much we were, were given uh, – just a couple stares at Fleck, looking right over at him talking to Mo, Mo making, uh, uh, putting a lot of pressure on uh, Coach Fleck. But uh, uh, I trust what Coach Fleck has to do as a coach, and uh, uh, I trust in uh, his decision he makes uh, and uh, and punting the ball. So, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, some of this is situational, of course, right? You you would maybe do something different if. The team you were playing was a better offensive team than than, than than Nebraska. The Gophers had shut them down by and large for most of <clears throat> most of that game, especially since the first quarter. 
if you feel like your defense can't make that stop, you might go for it. You might try to say, we got to end this thing right here. This is our better chance. So I'm always fascinated by those decisions, always fascinated by what the, you know, what the analytics say you should do in those situations versus what the game feel and game situation tells you you should do. P.J. Fleck, by and large, is a, is a conservative coach. I know he went for it on like fourth and one from his own territory earlier this year, trying to give the team a spark. Didn't work. Maybe that you know backfired on him. It was in the back of his mind. I'm not sure. But regardless, um, it, it's interesting just to, to see how those situations play out and to see how different teams respond in those moments. Gophers got it done. Probably could have got it done either way, but ended up getting it done on defense. And there you have it. Let's finish with the cooler. It is signing day. That used to mean more in college basketball don't feel like it means the same thing uh anymore it's just you know it's not the same kind of uh not the same kind of vibe that uh, that it used to be uh you know just owing largely to you know, team you know players just commit at different points the signing day aspect of it just isn't as a uh, isn't as glamorous as maybe it used to be but the gophers uh, men's basketball team adding two very good recruits on wednesday officially is at least according to plan but for the Gophers, it's a big deal. They got uh, they got two very good recruits, like I was saying. Uh, ben Johnson getting uh, Dennis Evans the third, a seven footer from California, and Cam Christie from Illinois, one of the top players in that state, could give them uh, at the end of the day a uh, a top twenty recruiting class this season, and that would be an awfully big deal going into twenty twenty three. I know. The transfer portal has changed things dramatically, but bringing in those top high school recruits is still going to be a big deal, especially from this program. So wanting to see how that all plays out. So a big day, early signing period begins today. And if all goes according to plan, those guys will be officially in the fold. That'll do it for today. Good stuff coming up uh, Thursday. Planning to have Phil Miller, Twins beat writer on the show to talk Twins off season. That ball getting rolling this year with a lot of... Uh, this week, I should say, with a lot of moves they made, uh, decisions they made on guys like Miguel Sano, Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy. Um, the Carlos Correa question still looming out there, so I'll pick Phil's brain about where this roster is headed in 2023 now that the World Series is over and free agency is right around the corner. That'll do it for me here today. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again on Thursday.